0: Welcome to the Agape in Action podcast, a podcast about genuine compassion and justice for our neighbors near and far. A relevant conversation that will challenge the way you embrace the life you were meant to live. Now, here are your hosts, Holly Flood and Robbie Jones. Hello and welcome to Agape in Action. I am Holly. And I'm Robbie. And we're so glad you joined us today. And so, now, Pastor Robbie, we're going to start today by talking about something I love to talk about. Football. Football. Let's talk about some football. <laughs> I am ready for some football. I love football. You know this, though. You know I love football. See, I
1: football. love sports. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a sports fanatic. And, um, you know, coming up, the Ryder Cup and golf, see, you don't even know about those kinds of things. No. You know about your, your Panthers. It's all about your Panthers and Cam Newton and all that <laughs> Go ahead, Holly. Talk
0: about your Panthers. Well, see, you know, okay. So, you know, I'm a fan regardless of how well we do. So we're doing okay. We had a great first week. So I'll I'll put that out there. But, um, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But I hope sometimes when we lose, we're learning. Um, But, you know, it's the beginning of the season. So everybody's kind of, I guess, getting the jitters off and figuring out who to move here and, who, you know, how to position everybody, I guess. So, I'm not giving up on my Pampas yet. I'm gonna see see how we do in the next couple of weeks at least.
1: <laughs> see, I got it. see, you're you're focused on football. And I am I'm, I'm a big football fan too. Of course, my red skins aren't very good and haven't been good for a long time. But I I'm a big um, I'm a big baseball guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so for the first time in a very long time, unless they, you know, just blow it. Um, the Atlanta Braves are going to make the playoffs. Um, and, again, unless the last week of the season, they just lose every game. Um, it looks like the, the Atlanta Braves are going to make the playoffs. So I'm excited about um, postseason baseball. Okay. So that's exciting. Then I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan. Uh-huh. Those of you who listen to our podcast know I'm a, I'm a really, really sensitive you know, 1979 and 80. Since I got married, um, I've been a Georgia Bulldog fan and uh, live and die with the Bulldogs every every week. And then the Redskins, uh, they just frustrate me. See, you 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 know you're, you got a quarterback. You know, where's the rogue and you know, all this stuff. And you know he's and, and glamorous and, and everybody wants to be like Cam Newton. In the Redskins, we got Alex Smith, which he's he's a proven and good quarterback, but we're just boring. We're just the Redskins are just boring.
0: Perhaps that's why you prefer to talk about baseball and college football. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the the only here's a great week in the NFL for me. A week and this happened in like in week one, I think. Um, the Redskins win. And the Dallas Cowboys lose. And so that's a great week in the NFL for me. So
0: I think that has you've been getting the opposite lately. So maybe it'll change. You know, with the the Panthers, you know, I've been with the Panthers since I lived in Charlotte. So they've been my team for a very long time. And even when we're losing, they're still my team, even though I said what I said earlier. But um, I think we have a good team, and I do love Cam Newton. Cam Newton is a really good quarterback now. I know people tell me, tell
1: me, is that really the
0: reason? No, no, I'm going to talk about all the bad messages and posts I get on social media when Cam does these press conferences after the game. And, you know, recently he came out and he had on this like black and white robe. And I don't know. Cam has his own style. He has his own thing going on, and, you know, sometimes he comes out with the weirdest stuff, and it's Gucci. And so some people will say, well, it's Gucci. And then some people are like, I don't care what it is, and how much he spent on it, it's it's weird. And he's weird. He's different. He seems to be a a pretty decent leader. Right. And he's a good quarterback on the field. So I'm more concerned about that than what he wears off the field. Now – I'm sure that personality, and that's a great word because we're going to be talking about personalities right. today.
1: That's right.
0: His personality is very um, dominant, but it's different. He's unique and he's confident in himself, I guess, yeah. in order to wear the stuff that he wears and do the things that he does. He must be a very confident man. So as long as he brings that confidence on the field, I'm as good. As long <laughs> as he
1: wins, it doesn't matter,
0: right? I, I'm okay, with but my friends, oh, they roast him when he comes out and he yeah. looks strange. And they're like, Holly, get your quarterback, you know. And, and I chuckle and I laugh because, you know, he doesn't surprise me anything yeah. with anything that he wears now. <laughs> doesn't surprise me but one thing I'll it's not boring
1: it's not boring i
0: promise Um, now some people may disagree with me on this but i will say one thing i think about cam is cam takes hits like no one else i feel like i don't i mean every quarterback gets hits but to me the things that people do just a couple weeks ago there was a hit and the guy actually got you know ejected from the game that's right because it was the and i'm like everything we've read about um concussions and all of that. I don't understand why these players still do these things. You could not only end someone's career now we're we're finding out years later that they have brain damage and some of them become suicidal and things like that. And I, I you know, you've been on the field and played. Yes, so you may know is this adrenaline? Is this it is. It What is. is it in that sometimes,
1: moment? You know, you're you're taught to go full speed and hit as hard as you can. And sometimes you know, it's just hard to, in, in a split second, to turn it off and to pull off and not hit someone. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see it, and sometimes I think, you know, you probably could have made a better decision, but you, you have to be on the field, you have to be in the moment, you have to understand. Man, these guys are—you're taught you know, to go full speed every minute, every play, and then you got to turn it off. So I, I have to. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that another time when it's really hard to to pull off.
0: Well, they better lay off my quarterback. <laughs> How about that? I hear you. So now I okay. said the word personality a minute ago and Cam was certainly a great example of, of personality and a lot of our teams are personality driven, you they know. Are. Um, the Patriots, for example, when you hear the Patriots, you think about Tom Brady. Right. So there are teams, even, you know, we can go way back to the Herschel Walkers and people like that. When you set a team, there were names that were right. synonymous with those teams. So we're going to talk today about when we have personality-driven churches. So we're going to move from the football
1: field to the the pulpit. Very interesting. And, and, you know, I do have um, some insight to this because I've got a lot of, Friends that pastor mega churches, and I've been around some of the you know, greatest leaders in, in the country in, in the church world, and um, and even they are realizing this, Holly. So this isn't something that some um, we're sitting here and, and bashing. I think it's it's more of a an alert, maybe um, an awakening. Uh, maybe is a word that comes to my mind. Is that you know a lot of the personality-driven churches are finding that that model just doesn't work anymore, and um, and I think it's dangerous. I really feel like um, it, it's a place. And let, let me just give you an illustration. I I've got a very very good friend, and he um, has made these statements himself. Um, is that when he's not at to church, his his attendance and his um, financial giving drops to fifty percent, and he doesn't understand that. He's like, "Why would, um, why would it matter? You know, if I'm here or not." But what he, he's come to understand is that he has built um, a ministry that's so focused on him rather than the mission. And I think that that's a very dangerous place to be.
0: So that's a good point, what you just said. And I guess I'll take a step back and say, for someone who really doesn't even know what that means, how would you define a personality-driven church? What is that really?
1: Well, for me, it's, it's basically everything centers on that one person. I mean, Everybody really comes to hear that one person and um, that person really makes all of their decisions. Everything is centered on you know that, that Sunday morning um, you know, 20 to 40 minute you know message and and they're just um, they're so focused on the individual on that personality rather than, the mission of the church. And I think that's, um, I really think, you know, God's never intended for um, his kingdom to be about one person or about personalities. It's always been about the mission of the church.
0: Or So, you know, you were saying something a minute ago, and I thought about this some years ago. There was a church I went to, and I remember hearing someone say, you know, we can't tell people when pastor's not going to be here <laughs> because if we tell them they're not going to be here, it's like a rainy Sunday. You know, on rainy right. Sundays, people, you don't know if they're going to show up or not because right. it's raining or snowing, but rain too. But it's that same effect if they find out the pastor, the, the lead, and we're saying the lead, lead or gosh. senior pastor, when they find out that they're not there, some people literally will not come to church. Right. And, I'm, you know, I never understood why. Um, but I guess this is the point that we come to, which means if I was hearing about that many years ago, this isn't anything new. We may think it's you know a result of the mega church or something like that, but even in my little small church down the dirt road, growing up, right, there were people who wouldn't show up if it, if the pastor wasn't there that Sunday. Yeah, I,
1: I don't think it just you know is isolated to the to the mega church, to the you know ten thousand member church, and that, that kind of thing. I think it, it happens, yeah, at the fifty-member church, the two hundred-member church, and a thousand-member church. You know, all of these, you know, you have to be careful. And I know even for myself, you know, I have people who look up to me as, as the lead pastor, but I, I I let me just say this, Holly. I think people are beginning to realize that the personality-driven church is dangerous. And I think that's the simplest way I can explain it. Is that that is a very dangerous uh, place, and that's why we're talking about it today. Because those who listen, you may be, you may love to listen to uh, a person, but we can never put all of our trust in an individual. It's um, there's only one that's supposed to be lifted up, and that's Jesus. And then we understand that these. These are just men and women that have um, great charisma and they draw people to themselves, but they're still just people. And uh, let, let, me, let me just give you some insight behind the scenes, okay? Because I, I've had the privilege. I've had the privilege of being behind closed doors with, with these people. Um, they, they really don't like all the pressure that comes with that. Um, let me let me give you some insight. I I know um, a friend of mine. His his weekly budget. Now get this. His weekly budget is a quarter of a million dollars a week. If he doesn't receive and his offerings and his his budget, and I'm talking about he's got. You know, 200 employees. He's got you know, mortgages. He's got like bills to pay. So it's not about all the the finances one him. It's he's got all of the pressure for all these other people. He's got to take in a quarter of a million dollars a week. You can see the strain sometimes when you're behind closed doors. When the when the lights are off, the cameras aren't rolling. And, and you don't see them on the internet or you don't see them on television, and the pressure that that, that they care for that. So they they really don't enjoy that type of personality. They just know that they created this monster, and it's their fault. They, they admit, the ones I'm with, they admit, saying, you know, I've created this thing, and now what we're finding, again, behind closed doors, now we're finding people that realize that that model doesn't work, that strategy doesn't work. And so now we're finding that um, a lot of pastors are saying, you know what, I'm only going to preach maybe 40 times a year or 35 times a year, and then I'm going to let my staff, I'm going to build my ministry around teams.
0: So I want to stop there okay. for a second because I want to come back to that, to some of the um, options we have. Because right. there are some things that we're doing a little differently at Parkway right. that kind of help with that. But I want to read something um In Charisma News, there's an article that was written by um, theologian Joseph Matera, and he basically lists like these 11 obvious signs that you're in a personality-driven church. And it really stood out to me, um, and I want to read some of these, not all of them, but just a few of them, because a lot of times I don't think people realize, you said it from the behind the scenes, let's say from the person sitting in the pew, I don't think people realize that they actually sort of push this and how they get caught up in the whirlwind of all of this. And, and they're not paying attention to the signs and what's happening. And sometimes it's not just the signs. Sometimes people are at the forefront of this and pushing it and making it about they're, they're building this because they are putting the demands, like you said, on the pastors. So I want to read some of these that he says so we can talk about them. So he says, one, all the marketing centers on the lead pastor, The ministry profile features only the lead pastor. All ministry focus is on the lead pastor. People are only loyal to the lead pastor, which goes to what we said about they don't show up, right? Right. Um, The leader draws attention to himself. There is no room for other leaders to develop. The lead pastor has no accountability. Um, And there was one other one, the church doesn't outlive the lead pastor. Now, there are a few more, but those are some of the ones that I really wanted to highlight. Especially when we get to that last one.
1: That last one's tragic. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a that's a tragedy. If if what we're building as lead pastors you know, does not outlive us, then that that's a that's a tragedy. Um, and I think that you know we're, we've seen it um, you know over and over again is that all of a sudden you know um, I, I remember several years ago. You know, um, and I don't remember the author, but they wrote a book about the top ten um, leading churches in America at that time. And this is again back in the late '80s, maybe early '90s. Holly, do you realize that none of those churches, none, not zero, of those top ten churches, are in existence today? Wow! They they've just folded. They've gone away. Um, that that's tragic. I I can just tell you. And, um, again, you know, I think some of it is the responsibility of, of the lead pastor. He's allowed this to happen. And then some of it is the culture of that ministry. Um, that That's really, and so you have people that, have, it, it's almost very much like, you know, you may you talking about football. It, you know, when you think of, you know, the New England Patriots, you know, you think of Tom Brady. That's who you think of. That's the face of it. You think of the Carolina Panthers. You think of Cam Newton. That's, that's the face. Nobody knows who the right guard is. Okay? Nobody, no, nobody knows who the defensive tackles are, but they know the face of, of that. And so we live in a society. That, that's the thing. We live in a society that... Um, we like superstars. We love superstars. And, and pastors have almost bought into that and so i think hopefully um what i'm beginning to see i, I see a shift i really see a shift and um and they there's um talking about you know building um, ministry around teams
0: so yeah let's talk about that okay. because sure. let's talk about that because these are some real sort of, I want to say solutions, but things that have been tried and they seem to be proving that it's possible to move past this point. Yes. So what are some of those things that are being done that are creating this shift away from the personality-driven church that are actually being successful?
1: Well, one of the things I see is that some of these lead pastors are raising up, as we look in the scripture where Paul raised up a, a Timothy, you know, a Titus, is that I'm I'm really watching some of these lead pastors who are you know giving opportunity to some of the their their staff, some of their um, future leaders are now getting more opportunities to preach, and so now it's not built on you know that lead pastor being in the pulpit every single Sunday. Because here's what we're finding out: is that burnout's happening. Um, to even some of the greatest leaders, because of what I've said earlier, the pressure of of carrying that ministry, you know, and making it work. So what I've discovered is that you know I, I heard uh, of a pastor who took, um, I think, a, a two month sabbatical, and um, his church grew. It, it grew. During the, the two months that he was on sabbatical. And he wasn't intimidated. And he was thrilled. Now, those that have built the personality-driven church, they're standing over here, and and they're beginning to realize, this is not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And so when they they hear about the pastor going on the sabbatical, two-month sabbatical, and then the church growing, and they're like... I'm doing something wrong, and, and so there. I, I really see a shift coming, and I. I don't think it's just in the mega church. I know even in our ministry is that you know with you know multiple campuses, and we don't we don't do video campuses at, at Parkway. Um, I've had the privilege of seeing um, people like yourself, people um, like our campus pastors, you know, Jay Stallings and. Salvania, you know, have an opportunity to minister, to preach, to develop the gift that's inside of them. And so, you know, it's exciting to realize that, you know, this thing is, you know, this gift is not going to die with me. And I think that's the important thing.
0: That's awesome. You know, I I definitely, being at Parkway, because this is my first time experiencing something like this. In my past, most of the time, if the pastor was not there, you know, it was this thing, I think it was in August, a lot of pastors would take some time off for themselves. A lot of churches would have ministers on staff, but they would fly in, you know, a big name pastor, if you will, from some other place to come in and speak to their congregation. And you have like seven rows of, of your own ministers in training or your own ministers, you know, on staff, and you never, they never had an opportunity to speak. So for me, being at Parkway where those people that you just listed. And this is not just when you're gone. Right. You could literally be in service and yes. Pastor Jay is, is speaking that day. He's preaching that day. But Pastor Robbie is here. It's not even just when you're gone right. that that happens. And I think that says a lot. And I can see how that can be a solution to prevent something like this from happening. Because now the congregation is not just hearing from you and it's not just built around those those things, especially those first three things I listed from this um list this list that I read about everything being centered around the lead pastor, it kind of, even though people respect you as that and they know that you're the lead pastor, it, I can see that there's a difference in this experience I'm having at Parkway versus at some of the churches I was at in the past.
1: Well, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things, and, and again, we're not throwing stones here, but you know, I think for a generation, it was almost people were threatened um, because you know we we've just seen you know churches wow you know they preach better than this person and so all of a sudden now there's there's a conflict there's division and you're creating some you know some division within the within the church. But when you're confident in your gifting, you're confident in your calling, and that you have a great opportunity to raise up the next generation, then I think that's what the lead pastor should be doing. Is, um, you know, is I'm beginning to realize as I'm getting older, number one is that, you know, to be there every single Sunday. um, And, uh, you know, I I give credit to my youngest daughter. You know, I was encouraged, hey, do video campuses, you know, when you do all of this so that, and um, my youngest daughter, Krista, said this to me. She said, Dad, I don't like that. And, um, and I said, why not? And she explained to me, she said, why did God give you all of these young pastors so they could sit on the front pew and listen to you preach? And um, I had, I, I'll be honest with you, that, that shook me to the core. And I went into my bedroom and knelt down and repented mm. and said, we won't do video campus. Now, those that do, and there are people, there are churches that are thriving because of that. And so, you know, I celebrate that. I just know for me, my, I want my legacy to be the people that I have raised up and given an opportunity to exercise your gifts
0: you know I'm, I'm thinking about you know i produced a christian television show for more than 10 years for over a decade right. and you know on television you have a host and you're going to have other you know personalities actually when we first started the show there with a host and that was it but then we sort of brought in different personalities and different people um interviewing and i remember having a conversation with my team and saying one day sure we have a host But Jesus is the superstar on this show. He's the star. When we talked about earlier superstars, he's the star of this show. And the minute we make someone else the star is the minute that we're going to lose something and miss the whole mission and the whole point and the whole call and the whole reason that the Lord created this program, which is to reach people right where they are and turn their lives around through the message of the gospel. And so if we're saying the gospel is the message who is Who is the gospel about? It's right. about the Lord. And so for me, when I say we had a star of the show, he was the star of the show. He was the one doing the miracles and healing the sick and changing people's lives and bringing them out of destitute situations. Not myself, not any other face you saw on that show. We could pray for people, but ultimately we were praying to what I call the real superstar. And I think at the end of the day, when we start making other put other people in that place then that's when we get dangerous but i am so encouraged encouraged that there's a shift happening
1: i really believe there i'm encouraged i really believe there's a there's a shift that's happening in churches and they're we're moving away from the personality driven church and again we're not we're not criticizing those that are listening please don't you know point your finger and and become very cynical toward those that are on television and those that are pastoring, you know, mega churches. Celebrate what God is doing. And then, you know, God has a way, it's his church. He said, I'm gonna build my church. And um, and so we we just need to trust and the worst thing that we can do is start criticizing people mm-hmm. and raising them up and so. Um, you know, I just believe that God, God is shifting this thing and it's going to
0: be good. And I always say, let's pray for our pastors. We talked about this in the last episode for another reason. Right. But even in this, we should be praying for our pastors so that as we watch these things turn and change, that they will just feel healed and blessed and empowered to do what God has already created and called them to do. So mm-hmm. let's pray for our pastors. Well, that's good stuff. The- that's all the time we have.
1: It is. Hey, go Braves, go Dogs, <laughs> go Skins,
0: go Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.
1: Have a great day.
0: Thank you for being a part of the Agape in Action podcast today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave Holly and Robbie a review. Find out more about the Agape in Action podcast, their story, and featured guests on Twitter at Agape in Action 18 or by emailing them at agapeinaction18 at gmail.com.